Welcome to the Epiphany Movement podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Drake Nelson and is a continuation of the series, Pillars. When I was in my master's work in New Orleans, I actually did my thesis on what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So that is the question that we are going to do our best today to tackle. I just want to start off by saying that this is a super, super hard question to tackle in one Sunday or in a one lifetime. Like throughout the past 2,000 years, ever since Jesus spoke it, different people have had different interpretations of like what even is this. I'll give you a whole lot of examples. For example, (laughs) <laughs> the Dadache. Do you know what the Dadache is? It, the Dadache is it's the very first teaching of the apostles, okay? The very first teaching of the apostles. And here's what the Dadache teaches. It says, To reject a spirit-filled believer, apostle, or a teacher of the law is to commit blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He, they wrote that in about 100 A.D. In 248 A.D., Cyprian, the bishop of Carthage, he said this, Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, or the unpardonable sin, is this. It's simply to deny Christ. Origen, in 185 A.D., he says this. He says that to commit this sin, is, it can only happen, it can only happen, after salvation. That is to say that only Christians can commit this sin. In 315 A.D., the of Jerusalem, here's what he said. He says, to, this is what the unpardonable sin is. It's to say anything, anything at all, unproper or improper about the Holy Spirit. In 350 A.D., Christendom, who was a theologist at that time, he wrote this. Jews who said Jesus can't cast out that said that Jesus cast out demons by Satan committed this sin, that it can only be committed in that time. In 345 A.D., Jerome said, same as Christendom. In 296 A.D., Anthanaeus, he said, to blaspheme son of man, humanity of Christ, was forgivable. But to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, which is the divinity of Christ, was not. In 354 A.D., Augustine said this, he believed that impentance was the only thing that was unforgivable. In 1100 A.D., several years later now, almost 700 years later, Peter Lomberg, he wrote, by the way, in the Reformation. So it was Lomberg and Thomas Aquinas. They were both writing in the Middle Ages, not the Reformation, in the Middle Ages, some call this the Dark Ages. In 1100 AD, he wrote this. He lists six sins that are the unforgivable sins, six sins that are blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He said they're this. Despair, presumption, impentance, obstinacy, resisting the known truth, and envy of other spiritual goods. In 225, almost 125 years after Peter Lomberg, Thomas Aquinas wrote this. He said, It was in three parts, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Number one, he agreed with Christendom. If you remember this, Christendom said that um, it was only the Jews who can commit it. Also, he agreed with Augustine. He said that it was impentance. And then thirdly, he agreed with Peter Lomberg. He said, yes, they're all six deadly sins. So Thomas Aquinas wrote 
totally different every time he wrote about it. It was always different. Martin Luther, same way. He, did, he never knew what he believed. He wrote in 1483, this is what he wrote, I am unsure of what I think about this sin. I always have changed my position. Number one, I think that Zwingli and Ocapetus committed this sin by not believing in transubstantiation. Um, transubstantiation is this. When we, um, um, can, when we do the Lord's Supper, by the way, we um, eat the bread and drink the wine, and we believe that it's a symbol, do you remember this, that represents the body and the blood of Christ. Transfiguration believes that it is Jesus' actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. He said, I think that was it. He said, secondly, but I also have gone on to think it's this. It's the obstinacy and wickedness, but I've also said that it's failure to believe in forgiveness of sins. I've also said that it's blaspheming the Spirit's work of office and the teacher. A couple of years later, in 1509, John Calvin wrote, It is the sin of Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. In 1560 AD, Arminius said, It's anything that's hating Jesus. Almost 400 years later, in 1939, T. Reese, now we're getting closer to what we, where we are, he says this. He said that Jesus simply misspoke. So when he was given his sermon, he simply misspoke. In 1980, a few years after, McNeil says something very, very, I thought anyways, I thought that it was um, very interesting what McNeil said. Get this, and I quote, and I quote. He said, Jewish phraseology to say something was unforgivable was another way of saying it was very, 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 very bad. Sort of like today, how we may say, oh, this is off the charts. We are not saying that it's actually off the charts. What we are saying is it's really, really, really good or really, really, really bad. A couple years before that, Scroggs said this, believe that Jesus never said the passages that speak of the un." forgivable sin he thinks that those are actually unauthentic so in matthew mark and luke the three synoptic gospels he says you know what this passage is actually it's 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 it shouldn't even be in the scriptures it's unauthentic in 1962 a couple years before even that albert barnes said this he agrees with the early church father athenaeus to understand that this sin is simply denying the divinity of christ come a little bit today francis piper he said this is quote by the way rejection blasphemy of the holy spirit is rejection of the divine truth of which one has become convinced in 2012 thank you mr sam dixon if you are watching this because i got this from the book that you brought me this is from les feldick les feldick actually writes that the blasphemy of the holy spirit is simply rejecting the holy spirit's work in 1982 guthrie says this and this view is highly highly accepted he said this end is to see wrong as right and right as wrong this is the unpardonable unpardonable because it destroys one's ability to distinguish between good and evil and thus makes repentance impossible. In 1963, we're almost done, Buswell wrote this. He believed it was rejecting God's grace through the stirring of the Holy Spirit. 1911, Robertson wrote this, agree with the didache that this sin is the attributing of any good godly work to that of Satan in 1882, years before that, Samuel Cox wrote this. He said, "It is progressive sinning against progressive sinning against one on on conscience." So you say, "Well, Drake, take me like take me to 2021. What are people saying today in 2021?" Here's what we got: John MacArthur. He says this. 
John MacArthur, to attribute, and I quote, to attribute to the Spirit the work of Satan, specifically that which is taking place in the um, Pentecostal movement of people saying a word is from the Spirit when it is actually from Satan. John Piper wrote this in 2017, a willful, determined opposition to the power. You have to say it like John Piper if you're going to say it. A willful, willful, determined opposition to the power of the Holy Spirit that one unbelievers can commit. That's how he would say it. Don Carson in 2016 wrote this, self-conscious rejection of Christ after the Holy Spirit has revealed him. So he agrees with um, Hebrews 6 that they are the same sin. In 2020, Matt O'Reilly said this, to see the work of God and call it the work of the devil. And Craig Laurie, one of the biggest pastors of today, he wrote this, to reach the point of no return by hardening of the heart through arrogance. He says, simply put, it is rejecting the Holy Spirit. And so these are all kinds of people throughout the 2,000 years, 2,021 years, or however long it's been since Jesus said it, all those years who have had completely different views of what this is. And so here's what we want to do today, okay? If you want, um, if you're like, Drake, I really think that was very intellectual and very cool, and I really want to know, you know, what you just said, okay? Um, here are my notes. So if you want to take a picture of that, you can. <laughs> Um, anyways, or just see me after and I'll give you my notes and you can have it and, and whoop de do. Here's what we want to do today. We want to discuss four areas, four areas of what this sin could possibly be, okay? I do not, as Drake Nelson, want to make you disciples of Drake Nelson. That would be not smart. That would be ignorant, all right? I want not to teach you what to think, but I want to teach you how to think, okay? And so I'm going to give you four different topics that pretty much broadly cover them all. And you can decide for yourself which one you think it is. Mr. John was talking to me the other day, and I was telling him about this sermon, and he said, Drake, I just need a one-liner. Just give me a one-liner. I just... Keep it simple, one-liner. What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? I said, you'll just have to come back and listen to the sermon because there is no one-liner. So I'm going to give you the four um, big, big, big ideas of what they are, and you can decide for yourself. So idea number one is this. Idea category number one, it's the, liter li the literal translation of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the literal translation of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. This is probably the smallest percentage of people believe number one okay but i'll tell you what it is here it is it is the literal translation of blasphemy of the holy spirit it takes that and it says jesus said it i believe it and that settles it anybody like that in here jesus said it, i believe it and that settles it so it says jesus said the unpardonable sin is blasphemy of the holy spirit so you think well what does blasphemy means i don't even know what that word means here's what blasphemy means it's to say anything that reviles or insults someone. To say anything that reviles or insults someone. And so therefore, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit would be to insult or say anything negative about the Holy Spirit. That is the literal translation of that text. All right. What would your argument be to that? What would your argument be to that? Do you know? You know, like, what, what are some thoughts that are coming? If you, ha if you have an argument to that, what would it be? Any, anybody? It would be this. You would say, you would say, now, Drake, 
the average human speaks about enough words to fill a 50 to 60 page book a day, Miss Crystal, a day. You know, you speak 70 to 80 words book, but that's okay. I'm just kidding. 50 to 60, the average human speaks enough in one day to fill a 50 or 60 page book. By the way, let me grab this hymnal. That is enough that is enough words per week to fill this hymnal. Enough words a week to fill this hymnal. That is enough words in one month to fill this book right here. Enough words in one month to fill this book right here. And go through all the average human lives to be about 76 years old if you're a man, 75 if you're a woman, I mean 76 if you're a woman, 75 if you're a man. So if you take all the months of all the years of all your life and you just stack them up and you would say, I would probably say something along the lines of those years that, that would blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I would probably, I, I would probably, I would probably slip up. I, like who, 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 who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? That'd probably be the argument. And to that, the answer would be, the answer would be you're right. The answer would be you're right. It's very. It would be very difficult. But that's what Scripture says. That would be their answer. All right. Oh, good. Don't look so sad. You're like, man, look, I, 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 didn't, I don't want to put on my thinking cap. Smile, you know. Smile. Thank you, Mr. Bill. Thank you. Smiley. Yes, I love to see that. Okay, good. Number two. All right. Oh, this is just hard. Okay, number two, it'd be this. The context in Scripture. I love Miss Melanie. Like, Miss Melanie is, like, tuned in 100%. I love that. Context in the Scripture, context in, actually it's context in this passage, is number two, context in this passage. So let's look at this passage, let's look at this passage. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 12, context in this passage. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12. Once again, we are trying to answer the question, what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? What is the unpardonable sin? We're about to read the story so you can see it in Scripture. Martin Luther, which we studied uh, when I was going over all them people, he said it like this. He said, solo scriptura, let Scripture speak for Scripture. So we're going to do that. We're going to start in Matthew 12, verse 22. If you have it, say amen. And if you don't, say hold up a little bit. Okay, all right, we're going to go with it then. Matthew 12, 22, it says this. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind could not speak. He was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that the crowd both, uh, so, that, um, so that he could both speak and see. Verse, 20, verse 23. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? Verse 24. But when the Pharisees heard about this miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Now it says, now Jesus knew their thoughts, and then he replied, Any kingdom divided against civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. You thought Abraham Lincoln said that. No, no, no. Jesus said it first. Verse 27, And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. But... But if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. 
For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. And then get this, in verse 30 he says, And anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working for me is actually working against me. Verse 31. Here we go. Get ready. On the edge of your seats, get ready. Verse 31. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except... Accept blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. So that's the context, okay? So that's the context. And so what does this second category have to do with that? context of the scripture here's what is said the people in this view say yes it is it is clear and we do we do note that the jesus never says that the pharisees definitely 100 percent did commit blasphemy of the holy spirit but that he implies it and so we believe that these pharisees are the ones who committed this blasphemy of the holy spirit therefore therefore this therefore this that blasphemy against the holy spirit is attributing to satan in the second context for this passage, in the past, attributing to Satan, if you want to write this down in your notes, attributing to Satan that, that which was caused by the Holy Spirit. Attributing to Satan that which was caused by the Holy Spirit. Now, under this category, the second category, are actually three semi-categories, and they are this. The Number one says this. Okay, okay, I see, I see what you're saying, Drake. I see what you're saying in this context. But, but, the only people that could commit this sin was the people in Jesus' day. Because they actually had to tell Jesus to His face. They say, yeah, we see you working with the Holy Spirit, and you say that you are the Son of God, but we actually believe it. It was the work of Satan. And since... Jesus isn't living on earth in a body today. They would say, no, 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 no. This can't be committed today. It can only be committed 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on the earth. The second category is this, all right? second category is this. It is that, um, it's to say this, that any work, any work, any work, like if um, any work, I'll say, I'll just, any work of the Spirit, if you give um, credit to any work of the Spirit to Satan. So that would be like, to say this, um, this is a really, really silly example, but I'll give it anyway. Um, can somebody cough, like just fake cough, anybody? Okay, thank you. God bless you. And you'd be like, no, that was Satan bless you, not God, not God, no. You know, that would be like any work of the Spirit would be called to the work of, um, of Satan. So let me, let me give you even a better example of what the, these people are talking about. This actually goes back to like the, like the early apostles, the Didache teaching, as to um, if somebody was like teaching and preaching, and, and somebody was to call them out and say, you know what, I think they are actually a false prophet. I think they are a wolf in sheep's clothing. And you were to call them out, and they actually turned out being a prophet, 
they would say, actually, you have committed this sin, okay? And then thirdly, under the second category, it's to this. It's to undeify the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, it's to undeify the Holy Spirit. Now, what would your argument be? What, what would your argument be if you did not agree with this? Do you know? What would the argument be? The argument would be this. Augustine makes this argument. In 345 A.D., Augustine of Hippo, he says this, and he makes this argument. He says, well, 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 well look, look all the, through Scripture. I mean, look all through Scripture. All these people rejected these prophets, yet they later gave their life to Christ. And even Paul rejected Christ and tried to kill the church and even sat there and watched as Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, was stoned to death. And if he can turn his life around and if he can be saved, then... then then this can't be right. This can't be true. That's what Augustine said. And you know what the response with that, to that would be? The response to that would be, this is, what they, the, this is the response that number two would make in, in lieu of that. They would say, okay, give me one, only one, only one, give me one example. And then give me one example of somebody doing a work of the Holy Spirit and then somebody saying, that's not of the Holy Spirit, that's of Satan. And then they later giving their life to Christ and being saved. Give me one example. And then you would say, all right, da-da-da-da-da. And you would read and you would read and you would read and you would read. And you would never find one specific example. You would find tens of examples, maybe even 20 examples of it leading up to that. But you would not find one specific example. And so they would put their glasses back on. They say, <laughs> "Yacha." But thirdly, to the deity of Christ, to undeify the Holy Spirit. What would the argument be to that? To undeify the Holy Spirit. You're, 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 uh, you're, what you would say would be this. You would say, "Well, um, that doesn't that doesn't make any sense because because." Because that's not what the text says. You said it was in the context of the passage, but that's not what the passage says. That's not what the text says, Drake. And so these people would just be crazy. I don't understand. That's not what the text says. Blasphemy doesn't. Blasphemy means blasphemy. And here's what you have to do. Here's, here's their response would be. They would say you have to look at the semantic range of the word blasphemy. You have to look at the semantic range of the word blasphemy. Semantic range means this. If I say um, um, run, how many different ways can I use the word run? A whole lot, right? I could use what? I could say I am running. Yes, thank you, Kat. Or I could say, oh, man, do you have a tissue? My nose is running, yes. Or I could say... Can, can, um, um, hey, I really need some, some groceries. Can you run to the store and get me some, right? You could use run in a lot of different ways, a lot of different ways. Hey, babe, if you don't go put my clothes in the dishwasher, I mean, in the dishwasher, you can tell how much I wash dishes or do clothes. If you don't go put my clothes in the, in the washing machine and run it, I'm going to be very, very upset. Lots of different ways. In the same way, lots of different ways that you could use the word blasphemy. There's actually only two. There's only two. There's only two ways that you can use the word blasphemy. There's to insult. There's to insult. Or um, 
or to revile something, say something negatively, or we can use it one other different way. There's only one other way you can use it, and that is to deify what should be undeified or to undeify that which should be deified. So I'll give you an example. I'll give you one example. Jesus goes up to the Pharisees, and, the, and he says, I am the Son of God, and I can forgive sins. This actually happened. It's in John, I think, chapter 10. And, and I can forgive sins. And the Pharisees look at him, and they say, that's blasphemy. Thank you. That's blasphemy. You, you can use it in two different ways, right? You can use it in two different ways. And so they would say, they, they use the word in the, in the second way. is to undeify Christ, right? That's, that's what their argument would be. Okay, um, lastly, let's go here. Lastly, let's go here. Um, number three, the context in Scripture. Okay, context that is in Scripture. So the context of in Scripture. So here's what this does. This looks at there is a sin out there that is unforgivable. All right? We call that sin blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We know that it's unforgivable. It's an unforgivable sin. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We're not so sure about what that means. And so, so let's take the context that is in, and then the context is surrounding the context, and then the context surrounding the context of the context of the context, and then the whole context of the whole Bible. Let's take the whole Bible and let's look at it. And it says, okay, there's an unforgivable sin. And, with, and if you do this, you can't get into heaven. What does the rest of the Bible say? What's the rest of the Bible say? It's the only way you can't go to heaven. It's the only way you can go to heaven. It is by what? It is by rejecting the Holy Spirit, either in belief in Jesus or repentance of sins or both. It's the only way you can go to hell. It's by rejecting the Holy Spirit. And so it says, the rest of the Bible, we get this one idea throughout the rest of the Bible, this is the only way that you can have unforgiveness of sins, that you can go to hell, is by rejecting the Holy Spirit, either in belief in Jesus or in re repentance of sins. And so if we reject that, then obviously if we read over here, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, it must mean rejection of the Holy Spirit. We take the whole Bible and we, and we say, this fits into the context. Augustine, the one that we was reading about from 354, he's the one that believed in this. He's the one that believed in this. And, 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 and I wrote what you, I wrote what he wrote earlier. I'm, let me read it again now in lieu of the whole conversation today. He wrote this. He said, I believe the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is impentance. It is the only thing that is unforgivable because it is through that that one rejects the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Alright, so we have that. What would your argument be to that? What would your argument be to that? You would say this. By the way, D.A. Carson. Do you know if you D.A. Carson is brilliant. He is brilliant. He studies the Dallas Theological Seminary. He taught me almost everything I know. Great Greek scholar. He believes this. Here's what here's here let me let me the argument would be this. The argument would be this. You would say. Drake, that's not what the text says. It doesn't even say that. How do you get rejection of the Holy Spirit from blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? That doesn't even fit in its semantic category. There's no way that that's good what it be. Read the text. It's not what it says. It's not what the text says. And here's the response. Here's the response. Here's what they would say. They would say, you're right. They would say, you're right. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. But let me ask you a question. Is it unclear about what the text means? 
And you would say, absolutely, it's unclear. All these hundreds and thousands of people throughout the last thousands of years have had different uh, opinions on what this should mean. It's yes, it's yes, it's different. It's different. We're unsure. It's gray area. It's a, you're right. It is. It's uncertain. It is in gray area. And so, what do we do? We take the rest of the Bible and we say, well, let's let the rest of the Bible speak to this. And the rest of the Bible clearly points that the only way to go to hell is through unforgiveness, unbelief, or unrepentance of brought to us by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, blasphemy, the Holy Spirit goes hand in hand. Does that make sense? And they would be like, no, but that's a good excuse. You know, that's what, that's what you would get. And so, fourthly, I, let, let me, let me I, I really quick, let me give this one. Um, there, there's really only one more category. Let me say, number two, number two is about 35% of everybody that has an opinion on this believes. Number two, which was, which was the context within the script was within the passage okay number like 35 percent of everybody who believes they believe in this number three um what we just talked about probably i would say close to 45 percent of everybody that believes believes number three okay so it's like number three about 45 percent people believe that about 35% 35% of people believe that it's number two context within just the passage. Um, and then on, under that, probably tied somewhere between um, 7 and 10% would be these two. Okay, it would be number one, we talked about the literal meaning, and number four, which we're going to talk about, which is the culture. Okay, so the culture. It would, it would, it's to say this. It was, it, it's to say this. Um, is that you got to look at your culture. And then it's to look at your culture and say that evil is good and that good is evil. And when that happens, somebody commits the Holy Spirit. Because in their heart, they think that they're doing good, but they're actually not. It's to call evil good and good evil. But Jesus speaks to this only shortly. He says in the, in the um, Sermon on the Mount, do you remember this? He says, the light is a lamp to your eye. And if, the light, if, the, if your eye is good, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your light is, is unhealthy, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And then he says, but if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, then how deep that darkness is. Do you remember that? And so they would say it's to call evil good and good evil. Do you remember when Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed? Bow, it was destroyed. Do you remember that? What did God say? God said, you remember this? He looked at the city and he said, um, they did what was right in their own eyes. They did what was right in their own eyes. Okay, so that's number four. It's to call what's evil good, good evil. And by that, it's like a hardening of your heart. It's a hardening of their heart. It's what um, Greg Laurie said, to reach the point of no return. All right, good. Now that we've studied all of that, do you feel like you're smarter? No, you don't. You feel stupider, don't you? Yes, me too. I mean, all week in, in my thesis, whatever. One, two, three, and four. We have these four points. Let me, let me finish by saying this. Some of you, some of you know what you believe. You know, you know exactly what you believe in the Holy Spirit. Anybody want to be confident and be like, I know what I believe about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Nobody um, wants to be confident and say, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, we got one person in here that's confident. It's like, yes, I know what I believe. Some of you are confident in what you don't believe. So you say, well, I don't believe that it's maybe one and four, two and three. I could go either, either way. I don't believe that it's, you know, two and four, but I could see it being either one or three. 
you're confident in what you think that it's not. And then some in here are completely confused and have no idea what to think about this. And maybe even feeling convicted, thinking, have I committed this sin? Have I done this? And so let me leave you with this example. Can you ask, can you help me, Drake? Hopefully I can help everybody in here, babe. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to finish with this example. Um, the other week, the other week, um, there was a lot of people that wrote questions. It was a couple of weeks ago, and they wrote questions in the postscript. They wrote them all out, and they put them on a piece of paper, and they, 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 I, I looked at the questions, and it was really great questions. One was, uh, one made me laugh so bad. It was, uh, Drake, do you believe in Bigfoot? <laughs> No, I don't believe in Bigfoot for anybody who, or, but my dad does. It's the weirdest thing. And aliens. Every night he goes to sleep, he listens to a podcast of, it's called the Sasquatch Chronicles. I don't know. Every night before he goes to sleep, he listens to it. It's the weirdest thing. And one of those questions was this. It says, what has been the biggest blessing in, um, since you've been here at Blackjack? And I was quick to answer. I said, obviously, I know it. It's easy, easy. My biggest blessing since I've been here to Blackjack is this. It is that, um, it's that people believed in me. It's quick to answer. It's people that believed in me. People, not only did they say they believed in me, but they put forth belief in my ideas. They accept me. They, they just, like, just the belief. Like, I was like, yeah, that's my, that's my biggest blessing. Man, that was quick. And, um, I didn't post the podcast. I don't know if you noticed that we ha- I haven't posted PostScript last week, and God was, um, or the week, be- or last week, or the week before. And I felt like through that week, God was dealing with me some some kind of way about this answer, and it was over- it's in my head over and over and over and again. And it was this: What is your biggest blessing? And I realized this: that that's not my biggest blessing that Blackjack has given me. This is my biggest blessing that Blackjack has given me. It is that, um, like. Personally, I think, I like to think that I'm trying to grow this church, right? I'm trying to grow you. I'm trying to grow this church. I'm trying to grow us all closer to God. And that's what I try to do. And I was sitting here thinking, you know, like me giving up here, like giving sermons and like building crazy stuff to little, that whoever wants to can come and try to figure out the, the, the secret code. And if you get the secret code, you get a reward. Like coming up all the time, like crazy ideas to try to grow us, grow us closer to God, grow the church. But then I thought about it and I was like, I was like, this is crazy, God. This is crazy. Oh, uh, and, and it was this impression that I had. It's like, Drake, you're actually, it's not how you think it is. It's not that you're trying to grow the church. It's not that you're trying to, like, to, like, to better everyone to Christ. It's actually the exact opposite of what you thought it was. It's actually that the church is growing you. And I said, I can't post this because it's a lie. And God was dealing with me. I was like, oh, I just want to change my answer. I want to change my answer. And many times we can change our answers. We can think one thing and then it can be revealed to us that we think a whole different other thing. Ain't that right, Mr. Hutch? We can think a whole different thing. And we may think we have an idea and it may change tomorrow or it may change throughout the week or throughout a lifetime. Be open to that. Always be thinking. I don't want to tell you what to think. I want to teach you how to think. And so if you're in here today and you're like, Drake, where do I go from here? I'd say this. I would say this. Go read the text, study it for yourself, see what you think. If you're in here and you think, oh man, am I a Christian? Am I saved? Have I committed this sin? I would ask you the same question that you're asking yourself. Are you saved? Are you saved? To answer that question, you have to ask yourself, what's the scripture say about how do you know if you're saved? It says this. It says, do you have the Holy Spirit living inside you? That 
our spirit will cry out with his spirit, Abba, Father, and we will know that we belong to him. Do you have the Holy Spirit living within you? Does he convict you? Does he comfort you? Does he give you guidance? Does he give you wisdom? Is he with you when you pray? Do you have him in your life? If you don't know if you have the works of the Spirit, I'd say just look at this. Look at the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good, and faithfulness. Is the Spirit evident in your life? If yes, you have nothing to worry about. Okay? All right. Good. Good. Well, let's pray, and we'll let you get on out here. We're going to sing, uh, closing out, we're going to sing, Howdy Loves Us. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right, well, let's pray. Oh, God, we love you so much, and uh, we even love you more than Howdy. But God, we, we know that you are in this place. God, we pray that you, we've been like, like, like we, we learned something. And God, I pray that we would just take this, grow in this. God, I pray that it wasn't, um, I pray that I put it on a level where everybody could grab something and understand something. God, um, please help me, help, help. I hope that you've helped me do that well. And God, we love you. We thank you, God. We pray that we would go and be safe as we leave this place today. Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on another episode of Postscript. I have a couple of cool things that's happened. A, I've got a new floating plant, so that's good. And also, hold on, I got a new Steph Curry bobblehead that somebody got me, so that's really cool too. And um, also, my favorite artist, NL, just dropped a new mixtape, and it's fire, and I've been listening to it pretty much all day, so, uh, anyways, that's my morning, hope your morning has been amazing, and Catherine is with us today, and she has some questions that you guys have wrote, written, written, wrote, written in this week, and so she's going to read them. Alright, question one, have you killed a turkey yet? No, <laughs> not at all. Uh, I almost did. I went this morning and walked like three miles. He didn't hear anything. So. We didn't almost kill one this morning. No. It was pretty sad. No, we didn't almost kill one this morning. I almost killed one another morning. Cass the hunter. She's a killer. I just go and call. She's a, she's a killer. I just learn. I just watch. <laughs> okay, question two. Do you think saying the really, really bad cuss word that curses God is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? It's a big question. Mm-hmm. That must be talking about like the, uh, the, 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 the GD word, I think. Makes it sound like. Do you think saying the really, really bad cuss word that curses, yeah. That has to be it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no. I don't. Um, there may be a few people out in the world that believe that, but most people don't. Um, like, like you know, Sunday we had those four categories of what the most people believe. And so most people believe it's a uh, it's either a literal meaning of blasphemy, which means to speak against the Holy Spirit, um, and so that would be the closest that you get to, to that. But that's um. That's that's the Holy Spirit, and then this is God. Do you and think so, though that it could be one of those things that, um, kind of like how it talks about in Romans, how some things are. Let's see. Let me think how to phrase this. Some things are sin for some people. People feel certain convictions about certain doing certain things, well, saying certain yeah, things okay. that maybe maybe that could be blasphemy of the Holy Spirit for some people. For example. No. 
No. No. Uh, so like, it's a sin no matter what. Like, it's a, like to say that word is a sin no matter what. Like, right. Absolutely. But sin. sin. It's a sin for everybody. But sin it's not also blasphemy. Being blasphemy but it's Holy not. Spirit. But no, it, it, it blasphemy in the Holy Spirit can't be one thing for one person and then another for the same people. It has to be. This this is a sin no matter what you believe. If you believe it's a literal meaning or the meaning in the context, the meaning within scripture, or the meaning within culture, it doesn't matter. Whichever four of those you think that it is, it whichever I, mean, I don't know what it is. I have my beliefs, but whichever it is, actually, it's the same throughout the board, same for everybody. And so, no, I do not believe that, and you'd be far fetched to find a handful of people who believe that in the world. But um, question three. A few Sundays ago, you talked about different Gospels. How come different Gospels... Let me go back to the last question, if you don't mind. I'm so, I'm so sorry for interrupting you. Um, and it's important that you just blaspheme the Holy Spirit, because even Jesus, when he's saying that in context, he said, like, blasphemy is of the Son of Man. Jesus will be forgiven, but blasphemy is against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, neither in this age or in the age to come. So it's important to make that distinction. Okay, go ahead. I'm so sorry. Um, a few Sundays ago, you talked about different Gospels. How come different Gospels tell the same story differently? Uh, because they're written from different perspectives. Because they're written from different perspectives. And that's all throughout the Bible. It's not just in the Gospels. It's through um, Joshua and Judges are written from two different perspectives and gives a little bit different accounts. Uh, Kings and Chronicles are written from two different perspectives, give two a little bit different accounts. And so, yeah, just anything that's written from a different perspective is going to be a little bit different. I'll give you one example. Um, we're about to celebrate Easter, and in Matthew's Gospel, when they go to the garden tomb, it lists two people that's there, Mary and Mary Magdalene. But in Mark's Gospel, it lists a third person that's there. It's this other woman whose name starts with S. I can't think of. It's like Sila or something like that. So there's three women that are actually there. Now, I mean, neither doesn't make it incorrect that Matthew only gives two of the three, and it doesn't make Mark incorrect that it gives more info. It's just written from different perspectives. The, this is the information that's, that's given, and we see this in courts of law. We see this in, um, in, in, in courtrooms all over the nation, you know, different people having different perspectives, and that different perspective helps get a better whole picture of the actual story. It's the same thing we see in the gospel, and it's actually one of the things that um, show more how the gospel is accurate um, than anything else probably that we have. That and how many manuscripts we have. All right. Question four. What other pastors do you listen to? Uh, you, get the, you get this answer. You get this answer. As opposed to who, I guess you previously mentioned. Um, yeah, just what pastors do you listen to? Who do you listen do to? Do I listen to? Yeah. Oh, to? Um, Ben Stewart a lot of times. I'm listening to Ben Stewart right now. And then, this isn't really a pastor, but the Bible recap that um, Mr. Hey, John's Sunday School class hey, is doing. Readers. Um, her. But mostly, if I'm listening to a pastor, it's going to be Ben Stewart. Um, maybe Louis Giglio, but... For sure, Ben Stewart. He's he's probably my favorite. You listen to Chris Hodges too. I do listen to Chris your, Hodges. I mean, that's your pastor, so I don't know that name. Mm -hmm. Makes any sense, but right um, from Church of the Highlands. Uh, you listen to Stephen Furtick's song. Just a little bit. Well, not really, yeah, not really. Um, you listen to maybe Levi Lesko's song too. Um, a little. Not really. Every now and then. Definitely more 
I mean, you're right. Definitely more Chris Hodges and Ben Stewart. Yeah. You do. Alright, what's the last question? Um, you talked about archaeology tonight. They're talking about Wednesday night. Um, how can we meet... Wait. How can we have dinosaur fossils that date to millions of years and still have... still hold the Bible to be true? I mean, I believe the Bible is true. I'm just confused about dinosaurs. Ha ha, smiley face. <laughs> uh, okay, so from what I understood is they're trying to reconcile the Bible and evidence that we have for dinosaurs. Um, I don't know, that's kind of like over my head, honestly. I would say this, I would say wherever Bible and science disagree, side with the Bible because every single time that Bible and science has disagreed, it's been science that has come along later and said, hey, oops, we got this wrong. For example, you talked about Wednesday night. We talked about that Wednesday night a little bit about how a lot of people disproved the Bible because they didn't have any proof of the Hittite nation. But yet in 1850s, so actually 1832, we found evidence of the Hittite nation and then we started to uncover this and uncover this and by the 1850s we had dug up an entire civilization that many 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 people had disproved the whole Bible because of their unexistence and you know lo and behold there they are and so where science and the Bible disagree um, I'll, I'll say go with the Bible and 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 I think you'll be I think you'll be satisfied with that I will say this too um, you know, there's room for Bibles, for dinosaurs to exist in the Bible, and specifically, there's room, many people in the Bible, you know, make uh, millions of years, or, or, or a million years even, um, of the earth. They say that, you know, Jesus didn't start creating till long after he created the earth. He didn't you know, populated with humans. And, um, I mean, there's room for that, if that's what you believe. Um, one, one person mentioned it, I want to say it was in Sunday school. I can't remember. But one person mentioned maybe when we had the flood, um, we had had dinosaurs previously and maybe.